Good morning to Online Church. You're so welcome this morning and so glad you decided to log in and join us from wherever you are around the country, around the world. You are so welcome. And I really believe God is going to speak to you today because the Word of God is alive and the Holy Spirit is our helper. Can you say amen? If you are visiting us today for the first time, you are very welcome. We appreciate you coming to church, and I believe that you're going to leave different in the name of Jesus because the Word of God is alive. We'll give you an official greeting at the end of the service uh, before we release you this morning, and we'll do some of the house news. We're in a series called Increased Favor. Say this with me. Say, I am loved, I am favored, and I am blessed. Therefore... I'm a blessing. Amen. The highest level, the highest form of being blessed is to be a blessing. Amen. And so you and I can grow and flourish as we realize God has called us for such a time as this. So we believe in God to live with increased favor. And we've been looking at examples like Jesus. We've looked at examples of Joseph. We've looked at the life of David. And several others. We looked at Peter and Cornelius last week, and we'll look a little bit more at that this morning. And I want you to know they are great examples of how you and I, in the new covenant, can live with God's favor in our lives. There are a few keys we want to look at as well as we're growing in this area. And last week, we finished looking at the three things that we can do practically that keep us connected to God and to the favor of God in our lives while we encounter the storms of life. Can I just check with everybody, is there anyone facing a few storms in your life lately? Okay, that's pretty much everyone. The rest of you, we'll pray for your lying spirit later. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. If you're on the mountaintop right now, enjoy. It's fantastic. But we said last, uh, the last few weeks, we said, you need to remember these three things. Number one, Jesus is interested in you doing well. He wants you to do well. Number two, we said this, it's not what you have, it's who you have that counts. But then we said, once you know those two, it is what you have. Because God's going to work with what you have right now. And he's going to ask you, what's in your hand? Because when you take what's in your hand, even if it's weak, even if it's little, even if it's minimal, when he puts his super on it, amen, it becomes supernatural and he can increase it. Look at the person next to you. Say, your life is increasing. Now, I want to highlight this today. You and I need to guard that we don't turn these three things around. Because what we do as humans, we think we've got to earn things with God. We think we've got to qualify. We think we've got to work hard. And what we do when we do that, when we work with what's in our hands, when we think we're going to get this right and then God will want us to be successful, it becomes a work. It becomes a work of the flesh. And I know the work of the flesh can only get you so far. Your talent can only take you so far. And what you'll discover today, your talent is never enough. Your works are never enough. Can you say amen? That's why Jesus came. Amen. Say, thank God for Jesus this morning. It's because of him that we have favor. So while God's favor abounds to all of us, I want to say this this morning, and you need to catch this, it is different for everybody. God's favor in Mandy's life looks different to God's favor in my life. Why? Because God's not a cookie-cutter God. 
How many know you're all unique, we're all different, and we all have a different call and a different emphasis and a different purpose? Now listen carefully. Grace, favor is always connected to purpose. God is not going to give you grace to do something He never called you to do. Amen? So if you're called to be a pastor and you're trying to be a business person, the grace of God won't work for you. And so we need to realize this morning, it's so important that we come to recognize our favors connected to our purpose. When we realize that, we can relax and ease up. I also want to say this after last week's example. We mustn't get into bondage and start worrying and be in fear about being in the right place at the right time. You'll be in the right place at the right time as you learn to rest in God's goodness in your life and learn to be sensitive to the promptings and leadings of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? So I want to take you to an interesting story this morning in Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to start reading from verse 16. Can we do that together? From verse 16, it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus answered, said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? This is a very interesting story, because firstly, this rich young ruler came with a passion, he came with a purpose. He engaged Jesus. He was, he was passionate. He was zealous. He's like, Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? But here's the reality. Although he was purposeful, although he was passionate, he had things the wrong way around in his life. Because we'll discover in the story, his God was actually money. And so immediately when he engages Jesus, notice he comes and he says, Oh, good teacher. And Jesus is like, Why are you calling me good? No one's good. So Jesus almost reacts to him at the level he came. I'm sure this rich young ruler came with a confidence and a boldness and maybe even a little bit of arrogance because he answers and he says, I've kept all the commandments. He really felt like he had done everything he needed to do. But Jesus, immediately when you come and you say, God, I've done this and I've done this and I've done that, God always comes back to you with, here's what you should have done. Because you can't come to God with your works because your works are never enough. You've got to come through Jesus and His finished work. And when you do that, how you know He always accepts you, even although you and I never quite measure up. Here's what's interesting about this story is here in this last verse, the rich young ruler already knew that he lacked something. Because he says to Jesus, I've done all these things. What do I still lack? If he had kept the commandments and he understood the old covenant, he would have said to Jesus, I'm already right. I already have eternal life. He knew inside him that there was something missing in his life. And he was looking for that something. And let me tell you something. That something is Jesus. Jesus is the one that fills the void. Jesus is the one that brings fulfillment in our life. So let's read on in verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, 
Go, go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Please say treasure in heaven. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Wow. What an interesting story. He went away sorrowful. In the one translation, it says this in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, this is what you need to do. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. Now, here's the powerful thing about the story. Jesus wasn't trying to get something from him. He was trying to get something to him. Because if this rich young ruler could have laid down everything he had and followed Jesus, how many of you know he would have got so much more? Because Jesus said to him, come and lay up your treasure in heaven. I want to talk to you today about an open heaven. An open heaven. Do you realize today your heaven is open for you today? And God has given you a treasure, and when you unlock that treasure, it releases God's favor in your life, and increase and wisdom starts to flow. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says this, as God's co-workers, please underline that if you... Uh, underlining your Bible or highlight, or maybe you've got a smart instrument and then you can highlight it. If you have a Bible you can't write in, throw it away, go and buy one that you can. It's okay to write in your Bible and highlight, okay. Highlight there God's co-workers. We urge you, listen to this, not to receive God's grace in vain. Wow. So firstly, notice something. He he speaks to the people, to the local church, to you and I, in other words. He says, you are co-workers with God. So what is he talking about immediately? He's talking about a partnership. Look at the person next to you. Say, I'm God's partner. And you know the amazing thing about God? When you partner with him, he always brings 99 and you only bring one. How <laughs> I mean, you know it's true? He's a great partner to have in your corner. And so he highlights this. He says, listen, you are God's co-workers, but I'm I'm urging you today, don't receive God's grace in vain. Isn't that interesting that you can receive his grace in vain? Now, what does it mean to receive the grace in vain? In other words, you receive the grace, but it doesn't produce anything in your life. You see, it's, it's like, let's just say we were painting the building. And Ben comes along one day, and he sees us, we're about to paint the building. He says, Pastor Larry, man, I want to just, just do you a favor. I'm going to bring my whole paint crew here, and they're going to do the whole job for you. So tomorrow morning, he comes along, he drops off his five crew, and they've got their paintbrushes and their ladders. And I look at them, I say, hmm, okay, guys, go sit there in the corner. I'll call you when I'm ready. And Ben comes back three days later, and they're still sitting there. The building's not painted. How many of you know he did me a favor, but he did it in vain? Why? Because I didn't take the help he gave me and use it. And so what Paul is trying to say to the church, he's saying, listen, you partner with God, but when you receive the grace, don't receive it in vain. That tells me something, that grace is always going to produce something in my life. And when I'm flowing with God, when I'm flowing with the power of God in my life, it's going to produce results. All right, now let's read on, because he unlocks something else. He says, do not receive God's grace in vain, 
For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. Is that term present, past, or future tense? It's what? Past tense. In the time of my favor, I heard you. Past tense. I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. What is helped? Past tense. So in other words, it's already happened. All right? I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Say now. Look at the person next to you. Say now. Okay, when is now? Go look at it in the Greek. And you know what it says? Now. (laughs) Now is now. All right, so listen. He starts off, he says, I've already heard you. I've already helped you. So what does that mean for you? You're in a now season. That tells me something. God has already moved. Jesus has already accomplished it. What you need to do is you need to do something with it. Do not receive the grace in vain. Use it when? Use it when? Use it how? Now. So you've got to take that grace and start to use it. Listen, the grace of God in your life will begin to bring results in your life. But here's what you've got to realize. You've got to know what that grace is for in your life so that you can use it. In other words, you can't get out of your lane and expect God's grace to work for you. Go read Romans 12. We don't have time today. From verse 1 to 2, you probably know it. It says, present yourself to God. Then verse 2 says, renew your mind to the word. And then verse 3 says this, judge yourself according to the grace that has been given to you. Do not esteem yourself higher than you should. What is Paul saying? He's saying all of us are graced for certain things. And when we understand what we're graced for and what we have in our covenant, we're able to work with that grace, partner with that grace, and it begins to produce results in our lives. Let me give you a definition of the word grace quickly. Here used in this, uh, in this verse here, the word grace means this, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. But listen to this. It breaks it down like this in the one commentary. It says, Grace and favor is God's merciful kindness exerted as influence on the souls of those who are given to Christ. It keeps them strong. It increases their faith. It increases their knowledge and their affection for God. And it kindles in them the strength to exercise everything God wants them to. Isn't that beautiful? So God through grace, through his favor, he's influencing your soul so that your soul lines up with his will and so that when you walk in that will, it starts to produce results in your life. Isn't that good news this morning? So I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to look at three areas quickly. Number one, if I want this grace to work in my life, if I want this grace that I'm partnering with to produce results, number one, the first thing I've got to do is I've got to be positioned properly. I've got to be positioned, and we started looking at that a little bit last week, but let's pick up our story here in Acts 10, verse 19 and 20. It says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, say arise, arise. go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So listen, while you and I are thinking about 
the vision God's given us, while we're thinking about the word in our life, when we're thinking about what God is doing in us, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to start working with that and moving us into a place of action. So look at the person next to you, say, do something. Listen, the Spirit of God, while Peter was thinking on the vision, said to him, listen, arise, go, follow them, doubting nothing. So he said, step out in faith on what I've told you and go do it. Now listen, this is the same Peter that was on the boat when Jesus came walking at night and Peter said to Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. It's that same Peter. So he understood what the Spirit of God was now doing in him. He had to respond to it. And so he walked out the door, and it took him three days to travel to where he needed to be. So there was a time frame. So we're introduced to this reality this morning. While I'm thinking about things, I must also be reflecting inwardly and allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt me, to position me, so that I can be in the right place for that favorable moment. And if that favorable moment hasn't come, then I've got to keep walking towards where it is I think God wants me to be. In other words, there's some decisions we've got to make as a church in the next six months, in the next year, in the next 18 months. We don't know what that decision's going to be yet, but we know God's taking us in this general direction, and we've got to keep walking in that direction. So when that favorable moment is there, we're ready to jump into it. Amen? Are you getting some help this morning? All right, Acts 10 verse 24, it says this. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Caesarea. Now Cornelius was what? What was Cornelius doing? What was Cornelius doing? He was waiting for them. For who? He was waiting for Peter to arrive because God had spoken to Cornelius to say, send your men to go and fetch Peter who's living with Simon the Tanner and he will come and he'll tell you what to do. Can you see the dominoes all being lined up? All right, so Cornelius is here and he's waiting for them. But listen, while he was waiting, he didn't do nothing. Look what he did. It says, he called together his relatives and his close friends. Now think about this. This took an act of faith. Because he went to his friends. He said, listen, guys, I had a vision. And they're like, oh, really? I'm sure you did. And my vision was, I'm a send to go and get Peter, who's living in such and such place. He's going to come tell us what we need to do to get saved. And so the fact that he did that was an act of his faith because he was stepping out on what he heard God tell him to do. But after he'd done that, he was doing it from a position of waiting. So this is what you need to write down this morning. When it comes to God, you need to realize today you live in a natural world and there will be seasons of waiting. Look at the person next to you and say, are you waiting? Are you waiting this morning? Because I want you to know, waiting is inevitable. Here's the important thing. How you wait is critical. Because I know a whole lot of people, including myself at times, while we're waiting, we love to complain. We love to murmur. We love to wonder. We love to question. Where's God? Why is this taking so long? 
Why didn't it work out the way I wanted to? Where's this breakthrough pastor's been telling us about? Where's this increased favor that's supposed to be all over my life? Since you've been preaching this pastor, everything's got worse. No one had the guts to say amen. (laughs) Don't worry, I know exactly how you feel. But listen, while you're waiting, listen carefully. While you're waiting, what does James say? God is working. He's working in you, so building character, strengthening you, but also challenging you. Because how you know it's in the waiting season that you find out what's really in you. You find out what you're really made of. You find out how hard it is to not do what your flesh wants to do. Because if you're like me, you want to run out and say, don't worry God, I'll go sort it out myself. Hello? So in a waiting season, it's a season of God testing our faith. But how many know the enemy also knows we're waiting? And so he comes and he lies. And he questions. And he challenges. And how many know he knows just who to send across your path? That's going to say just the wrong thing at the wrong time. To try and get you into a state of worry and anxiety. Look at the person next to you and say, wait in faith. So Peter arrives, eventually, three days later. Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preaches the good news that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. Now have a look at verse 43. To him all the prophets witness that through him and through his name, whoever, are you a whoever this morning? That's everybody. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of their sins. I want to ask you something today. Who are you believing I know, I know the easy answer is, yes, I believe in Jesus. But listen, when the heat's on, the storm's blowing, it looks like nothing's going your way, and God hasn't showed up yet. How many of you know it's easy to capitulate? It's easy to allow worry back in. But here's the reality. This is what you've got to remind yourself, and this is the growth God's got the church in. You are a son and a daughter of God, and he will never let you down. He is working in you. He is working for you. A far better and exceeding glory than you and I can even imagine. Did someone say amen this morning? You see, when you got saved, listen to this. Please write this down. Remember, this is so helpful. It helped me so much. When you got saved, you stepped into an acceptable time in your life. You stepped into the acceptable season of God's favor and God's grace is working in your life. And when you stepped into that season, listen, that season of favor means God's heavens are open to you. You don't have to wait for God to open the heaven. They're already open. Now, I'm going to show you in a moment how this looks. Acts 10, verse 44 to 46. We might have to go there next week, but let's just turn to 44 quickly. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. Now, this is incredible. He's preaching. They're getting saved while he's preaching. That's how hungry they were. And while he's preaching, what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on them. Now, listen, church. This is Gentiles, not Jews. This is the first time ever that Gentiles are getting born again. Not only are they getting born again, the heaven is so open that God somehow pours the Holy Spirit on them at the same time. Yeah, somehow. It's a Greek word. 
It means right away. Listen, verse 45. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now look at the next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. How did they know the Holy Spirit was poured out on them? It says what? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. There goes the theory that you can't speak in tongues in the church. Because they couldn't help it. Because the Holy Ghost was so powerful in the room, was moving so much, they couldn't help but pray in tongues because the Holy Spirit came upon them, the fire of God. Listen to me today, church, I want to encourage you. Speaking in your heavenly language is a sure way to tap in to the supernatural favor of God in any situation, and it's the most powerful position of waiting. When you begin to speak in tongues, let's look at a few examples just quickly. I don't want to get ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 and 4, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he is speaking mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Jude 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So waiting on the Lord is about reflecting and spending time speaking in your heavenly language, worshiping God, turning to the word of God, letting the word of God come alive in your spirit because what you're doing is when you're doing that, you're sowing into the spiritual realm. And when you sow into the spiritual realm, you reap from the spiritual realm. And we'll look at that next week. It's a very powerful principle. But I want to encourage you today, take time to wait on the Lord in prayer. Take time to speak in your heavenly language. Take time to worship God in, in your language and in your heavenly language. Acts 13, verse eight, uh, Acts 13 verse 1 says, When they waited on the Lord, the Lord began to speak to them. The Holy Ghost spoke to them and gave them direction. In Romans 8, 14, it says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So speaking in tongues is a sure way that will cause you to be in the right place at the right time so that you can have the right things happening in your life. Can you say amen? Yeah, come on, if you're going to give the Lord praise, let's give him good praise. Amen. You see, you can depend on Jesus for right happenings in your life because it's part of your unmerited favor that is upon your life. Now, church, I've got to come to a close this morning because we've got load shedding at 9 o'clock and we need to finish the service before then. That's why everything's been a little bit pressured. Okay, but it's all good. Look at the person next to you say, it's all good. Look at verse 47 and 48. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Listen, it's time now for Christians to arise, to start standing up against evil, to start resisting the enemy, and start marching forward with a boldness because, listen, church, the favor of God is upon you. 
Say the favor of God is upon me, upon my house, upon my family, upon my business. Amen. And you've got to stand up and declare boldly that in the midst of whatever's going on around you this morning, church, can I encourage you? Now, I just want to give you these two things and then we'll close and we'll pick it up next week. The other two things that you need to remember when it comes to understanding your moment, the now season, is this. Number two, you do have something in your treasury. All right, we'll look at that next week. Because listen, you're going to discover today in the Old Testament, God said, I'll open the windows of heaven and I will pour out my good treasure. In the new covenant, the treasure is where? Inside you. And you've got to cultivate that treasure yourself. And we'll look at that next week. So number two, remember last week we said, you have something. What do you have in your hand? I want to encourage you today. You do have something. Because there are a lot of people living from a place of lack. And they think they don't have anything. You have something. And if you'll start working with that and cultivating it, it'll start to produce a harvest. Because the word of God is true. And then number three, we'll look at it next week as well, is number three, the heaven is open over you today, but maybe not in the way you think. So you've got to realize kingdoms have changed. We're not living in an outward kingdom. We're living in an inward kingdom. Jesus said this. Many are saying, look, look, where's the kingdom? But I say to you today, the kingdom is within you. So what you're cultivating in your spirit, what you're allowing in your life, whether intentionally or unintentionally, is producing a harvest in your life. So that's why Paul said this. You are co-workers with God. You are partnering with God. Therefore, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. I want to encourage you today. God loves you. God is mad about you. He's not mad at you.